You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks with Tony. This week on the show, we have Alexandra O'Dare. She's the author of Don't Call Me Home, a memoir. On May 10th, at the Los Feliz Branch Library, I'm teaching a free creative writing workshop at 6 p.m. Join us at the library on Franklin and Hillhurst, or... Go to the Los Angeles Library website for more information at lapl.org. And now, Alexandra and I discuss her history at the Chelsea Hotel during the Andy Warhol era, Vince Neal versus Nick Cave, who would win in a fight, how she worked on her memoir for decades, that time she starred with her mom in a Vim Vendors film, and so much more. Hi, I'm Alexandra O'Dear. And you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. Yeah. You're, you're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Alexandra O'Dare. She's the author of Don't Call Me Home. Bonjour, Alexandra. Comment ça va? Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. Ça va bien. That's about all I have. That's about all I have, too. (laughs) If you said anything else, I would have been like, uh... I was going to say, how are you? But then I was worried you might not know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, be very very worried what I don't know. That's a a good one. (laughs) So you grew up in Chelsea, yeah? Yeah, I grew up in the hotel. Yeah. And... um, you know, I was just, I was in Chelsea like three days ago. Oh, were you in the hotel or just in the neighborhood? Just in the neighborhood. I don't know where the Chelsea hotel is. And I wish I was, um, I wish I had that much pre-planning in my head. I was just meeting a friend for lunch. And then he was taking me around the meatpacking district and going, this is where Hermes took over. Right, this right, is where right. he just, he was laying the whole land out for me. And I loved it there though. I was just like. Yeah. Well, they're like. Yeah, it's it's a good. Where where are you right now? I'm in Los Angeles. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, um, the Chelsea, like the technically the Chelsea neighborhood now, it's so different than it used to be. Obviously, like everything, and as well as the meat. Oh my god, the meat packing district. I mean, if that's where you were, that's you would. If you had seen it in the old days, you wouldn't even be able to recognize it. Yeah. I mean, the meatpacking district is now sort of a shopping mall. It's that's cool. I like it. And the High Line is there. It's fine. But the meatpacking district was literally like whores and meatpacking, meat things, like hunks, hunks of meat. And, you know, um, were you allowed to say whores? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. I love whores, by the way. It's not a derogatory yeah. term. But uh, ladies of the night. Um, but some and, of them were of the day, too. So now better watch out. They were definitely yeah. in the day as well. Um, yeah. And it's a very different place now. But the Chelsea is on 23rd between 7th and 8th. And it's still there, but it's like, you know, recently been renovated and fancified. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, it's, yeah, I grew up mostly there. I was like almost born in the lobby. Then my mom and I moved around a lot, which is sort of the beginning of the book. And then we, I moved back there when I was about 10 and stayed there until college, you know. And my, and my mom and sister moved out maybe, I don't know, like a couple of years when I, after I was in college. But yeah, so I was there most of my life and it was a great place to grow up, a wonderful place, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's and, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of frame of reference because, you know, I was just on the subway and I was like meeting a friend and it, like New York like rattles me, but it's supposed to rattle you, you know, especially if you're oh, coming. Sure. Are you from L.A.? I'm from San Francisco. So it's just, oh yeah, so different. So different. Yeah. And it's just like, OK. Just, you know, be, just go ahead and be rattled and get on this subway. And then here we go. And we stop. And then, but once I got out at Chelsea and, and when I walked to uh, where the diner, the bus stop yeah. diner is what it was called. I think that's been there yes, a that while. Used to be our, that, well, that, that later in life, you know, technically, you know, not to make you wrong on your podcast, but that. Oh, really make me wrong. Point. It's it, the, okay. this whole thing is about proving me okay, wrong. Good. And then everything good, else good. is just extra credit. Great. So. Well, you are really describing the West Village, Tony. Mm. So the bus stop diner is in the West Village, which is where I lived previous to moving to Philadelphia. Uh huh. And the West Village is amazing and always has been. Although, yes, now obviously a lot of rich people, but um, it didn't used to be. And then Chelsea comes a little bit north of Meatpacking District. Right. So it's like West Village, Meatpacking District, and then Chelsea. Okay. And then we'd, we walk the High Line. I never walked the High Line. And that's oh, yeah, new. that's cool. The 
Highline's cool. Yeah, that was. Was it packed? Um, it wasn't too bad because I think what it was, it was like a Tuesday morning or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we were just bopping around. He's like, "Oh yeah, you don't even want to be here on the weekends." I'm like, "This isn't even high season." Oh my! No, God. you can't on the weekends and sometimes like you can barely walk through. That said, we did used to go there like because it is quite lovely, you know. Yeah, but it's what, very very crowded. What made you move to? Uh, what What was the plan to move to Philadelphia? What What attracted you to the beautiful city of brotherly love? Um, well, my husband grew up here, so it's like, uh-huh. you know, you kind, of, you kind of follow each other, you know, a decade where I grew up, <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, you know, we couldn't afford Manhattan anymore. Well, we were living in upstate New York where we met at co- in college way back mm-hmm. when in the mid nineties, I mean, early nineties, actually. So you've been together and, for a long time. So please help time. me understand. See, I'm a divorced fella. Mm-hmm. What's the six? How do you do this? Oh no. How do you have a successful relationship? I want to get my next divorce over. And then I think by the third one, I'll be good. I honestly don't know. Like, you know, I always wonder, like, if someone had our marriage, would they have divorced already? Do you know what I mean? Like, you never know what people cope with, you know? And I'm not saying anything negative about my husband. I'm just saying in the way that all relationships are, there's no good, you know, I don't think there's any good relationship or bad one. It's like, maybe you just... I honestly don't know. I would love to be a fly on the wall in your marriage before you got divorced and see, I would love it and just see what was going on. I'd be like, oh yeah, we are like that every day, you know, or not. Or you're like, oh fuck, that's bad. Like they should have, oh, thank God they got divorced. Like with celebrities, I'm always like, they must not have much resilience. Come on. You know, like yeah. getting divorced all the time. Yeah, because because it, it's just I really love the longevity idea, and I was I was I was with the wrong person. It was it, it, you would have been the fly in the wall, like you know, a decade before I got divorced and going Tony. Okay, okay, you guys might have been all right at the beginning, but oh my God, run! And and I'm sure you would have she and she would have been given the same advice and would have been absolutely true too. It just <laughs> so. So did you did you have could you share the same humor? For a little bit, yeah, and and then um, well, it's it's a little more complicated than that because we were married Jehovah's Witnesses, so I grew up a Jehovah's Witness, and then I left, and then but I was still trying. I for nine years I still thought that you know that wouldn't be a thing, but it turned you know out what? it was. I feel a thing. like I I started to do my research on you, and I was going to listen. You have do you have an episode talking about that? Um, I I like on I bring it up sometimes, um, and sometimes I don't, and. Right. I think I saw something about that. And I was super intrigued because I'm I yeah. love, I'm very intrigued about people who grew up in, you know, intense religious situations and or cults. But um, so I'm, I, I'm I, in yeah. therapy for it. I've, I'm talking about it every week to my therapist because it doesn't ever fully go away. It's about like kind of acclimating to be, you know, used to believe in the belief yeah. system. And then now let's try to function in um, in a world where everyone was out to get us. And they were so all how Satan. How old were you when you when you started questioning the belief system? In my twenties, mm. I was just questioning a little bit. I thought it was I thought it was true, but that I knew okay. there was something wrong. But I knew uh-huh. God would I knew God would fix it. So I was really entrenched in the belief system. When I was twenty nine, I said I still believed, but I was like I just can't go anymore. And then yeah. and then I and then I was and this is where my love of books came in because um that's when I started having conversation authors were having conversations with me that I never had with any one of my peers. So um be just having like authors talk about feelings that I was just like, whoa, yeah. wait, what? And so ever since then, I've just been an insatiable um of an insatiable reader and just want more and more and more. That's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. And sorry, I now I'm like interviewing you, but I want to ask you one more thing. So was there one final moment where you were like, okay, you know what? I'm not a Jehovah's Witness anymore. Or maybe you do consider yourself one is and on some level, I don't know. But I'm were you ever like, was there any last thing where you're like, ah, you know what? No. The last thing was um, when I was 29 and I used to have like what they called privileges and, the, and mm-hmm. privileges just means we're going to take up even more of your time. Um, <laughs> but I I used to be, um, they, they call them attendants. So you had to go to meetings three times a week and they okay. would treat the, um, they would treat single moms horribly and they would talk horribly about them behind their backs. And Ooh. from the platform, the, uh, the elders, and such 
we're always about you got to preach more, you got to give more, you got to blah blah blah. And then and it was just like they were making the single moms feel bad, and I no longer could sit there and listen to their rhetoric because oh. yeah, maybe I can go preach more. But you can't just blanket converse. Give people a break. So when I told my wife at the time, I was like, I'm yeah. not going anymore. And she goes, well, can you just go a, a couple times a month? Because her whole family was in the Jehovah's Witnesses and Superstars. And I was just like, no, I can't. Because if they say anything bad, I'm going to raise my hand and go, can you rephrase that, please? Can you rephrase that for the people that That's are working? Brilliant. And she went, maybe you shouldn't go. <laughs> You know what? Staying home is pretty good for you right now, and you'll get over this. And I'm like, nope, did never. Your got wife over stay, did your ex wife stay in the belief system? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Well, that's totally, yeah. So if I was a fly in the wall, you're right. I'm like, okay, well, that's definitely not going to work. Yeah. Right, right. What are you going to um, do? What are you going to do? Read, did you read Tara Westover's Educated, that book? I have. I tried to read oh, it. God, you have to read it. Well, the, the thing is, or it's did, hard for me when it's too close to what triggering. I've had. So people are like, The Handmaid's Tale. And I'm just like, you don't understand. I can't because that's not fiction. Like that's not another world for me. That's just yeah. that's something that I'm working through. It's almost okay, like okay, yeah, that makes total sense. But when you're ready, you should read it because she does such a beautiful job, and it's like she's so empathetic, really. You know, mm -hmm. um, and anyways, it's beautiful. I love it, but I totally get it. Like I would, I I realized when I said that it might be too much, too close to home. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah, but that was some crazy ass shit. Um, like uh you know just really they don't go to doctors you know and um, yeah. and which was not like i think doctors are so great but you know so like for example a couple of times two different family members get literally burned like because the dad has this like junk shop thing and and, and anyways gasoline gets poured accidentally all over one of the brothers and he's literally burning with his jeans burning off him and they don't go to the doctor somehow the mother with her weird tinctures and stuff and things does save these insane injuries and then i was like huh maybe salves and tinctures are really more potent than i thought you know <laughs> yeah and then and i just and i wish we were in a time now where you know people with salves and tinctures and doctors it's like we can blend all of the intelligence and all the ancient ancient yeah. healings with what we know now and you know a pill doesn't yeah. get everything done but yes. a pill really works sometimes when you know it's it really just does. So let's just, let's be open to the whole thing, but everyone's so, um, even doctors, yes. you know, if they're a foot doctor, they know nothing about if you have hemorrhoids. No. <laughs> it's oh just like, God, doctors, I know it's ridiculous. I recently had really bad diarrhea. I was in Costa Rica yeah. eating this yoga retreat and it was like every, a bunch of people had it on the retreat and I thought it was gone. My son had it and we were leaving. And when I leave, I go to this place called the Osa Peninsula and it's really like, really like at the end of the world in the jungle and it takes forever to get back home more than a day of travel so right before i sleep in this tent i was waking up i was like oh fuck you gotta be kidding me and i heard the rumbles you know moving towards the asshole uh -huh. you have to go like you know have to unzip the tent it's like on a little platform and go down it's like you know pitch black and there's crazy creatures and everything you wear a head to wear a headlamp there's no electricity and so i like go to the toilet but it's a nice toilet anyway shitting my brains out like four or five times and we had to leave at 7 a.m and someone on the retreat was like you know i have a modium i've never taken a modium in my life and I was like, oh, okay, I'll try it. Like, so I took to Imodium, miracle. Yeah. I literally didn't, I had, I was traveling on different planes until like the next day to get to Philly and never pooped again. Is that you, Miko? Oh, no, it's my dog trying <laughs> to come in. You can come in, Pickles. Um, yeah. And I was just like, that's just about the pill. You know what I mean? Because in the old days, I would have been mm -hmm. like, no, you have to let it, you have to shit it all out. You can't. Right. And the, but sometimes you need to take a bunch of flights to get home and yeah, you can't yeah. reschedule. So let's so let's get the cork. Yes, let's get yes. let's get the cork and put it in. <laughs> and I kept being nervous the cork was going to go away, and uh -huh. it, didn't, it literally didn't until like I was home like late the next morning, and then it wasn't pretty. But and it'd be terrible on an airplane to just be like in the bathroom yeah. the whole time, you know. I was just, really worried about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I was just on a. You know, I just, I haven't flown since COVID until uh, this last couple of weeks when I went back and forth to New York, and it's just like. So, you know, there's a little bit different neurosis of flying now, but it's also like, I was just so happy to fly. I was so happy to go pee yeah. in the bathroom on the air. I was like, sitting. I, there just, I took a selfie of myself in the bathroom in, on the airplane. I'm just like, how cool is this? We're kind of back. We're kind of back. Yeah, I actually love flying. And I'm, I actually have flown a lot since COVID. 
because we do these like family trips in the summertime. And um, so I've, I've traveled a bunch. We actually were like some of the first people to land in Italy when Italy first opened after COVID in Rome. And it was incredible because nobody was there, you know? Oh, wow. It was really special. And I had never been there. And so yeah. like you could just walk into, you know, the Pantheon. And then we were there. Then we returned to Rome like three weeks later. And was like, I was like, let's go into the Pantheon again. And it was like lines around the block. I mean, there's no blocks, but, um, and I, it was, yeah, it was really, it was really amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. that's, I, I know. I'm just like, I'm so like, okay, let's go. I just want to go. I don't have a trip. Well, I do have a trip planned back to New York in fall, but at the same time, I'm also like, maybe I should go to Mexico. Maybe I should just do four days somewhere and just get, I just, sure. I just got to get on planes again and just be in the sky. Need to travel. Were you super paranoid about COVID? I'm not a COVID denier. Or anything. No, uh, I'm not paranoid about it. I'm not happy about flying. So that's the ah, main crux of it. it. And and I worked through a lot of that. And I was doing hypnosis before COVID and I was flying all over the place before COVID. And I was just getting back in the groove and then shut it down. And I'm like, no, I'm supposed to be doing my. <laughs> wow. You were doing hypnosis to help you to fly? Hypnosis to help me to fly. I used to be severely agoraphobic. And I, and I found out this is actually a symptom of when you're in a high mind control environment and then you're break your belief system that agoraphobia and panic disorder can be a result of that and so i've been struggling with that for about 20 years and like in 2019 i'm on i'm on the last thing let's go let's fly because i was yes. you know oh, i was breaking you free you just broke free of it and then COVID happened that's a crazy so let me so when you do the hypnosis do you actually like the way you see in movies? Like, are you like going and then you're hypnotized or it's not like that? It's not like that. It's a little more, um, it's, you know, they do let's count down. There's visualizations and my, it's my therapist who does the hypnosis too. And, and she's, she says when we, when we do the hypnosis, like once in a while, something hits the subconscious. It's not like everything's hitting the subconscious and it's not like I'm totally like out, but like when, when she brings me back up, sometimes I'm like, I don't quite remember. Like the whole session, I I was there for the whole session, but then I couldn't okay. pinpoint certain things. And it's just, it's, I think it's just a little, like, it's almost like a telegram to the, uh to the subconscious where maybe like dip, 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 got through and that was it. <laughs> and and yeah, yeah. I think it just, it did help, but it could also be that I was just being mindful and kind of a meditation at the same time. So that does sound like, I love the idea of a deep meditation and I've done a lot of meditating because I, you know, whatever, I was a yoga teacher most of my life. <laughs> and so I've done a fuck ton of meditation and I have been to places in like what we call Shavasana, you know, when mm -hmm. you're lying at the end of a yoga class and also in just long, long seated meditations after chanting, like I've done these things in Shiva Ratri, which is, you know, like a Indian holy day and you chant Om Namah Shivaya for 24 hours straight. Um, huh? And so where you're, I'm at a state where I, I thought like, wow, this would be a good, like it would need me that much to then be hypnotized. You know what I mean? I'd be like, now mm -hmm. I'm ready to be hypnotized. Um, you, Cause you, it, I feel like it would take me that much prep to get to that vulnerable open space where you're like so grounded but i'd love to i'd love to try i mean i'm just so curious i'd love to try like a master hypnotizer and see if they could get me there you know yeah i, I don't know about those you know those ones you see on tv where they're like bah, 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 and the person goes and i'm like oh. come on really yeah and they're like now take off your clothes and they're like okay yeah yeah now bark like a bird you know blah, 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 blah. yeah <laughs> the um what's in savasa i i started doing yoga um maybe about 15 years ago and yoga is against the jehovah's witnesses meditation in the jehovah's witnesses is inviting the demons into your head so the, everything yeah, good imagine. for you they just you know don't do it so yes. i had i was going to yoga classes having panic attacks every single mm. time we were in savasana and oh, i was God. just like i mean i was like literally like shaking what style I, were you doing do you remember like what style it yoga? was just like a hatha flow it was very light okay yeah yeah and, and did the teacher, did they notice, were they, were they helpful or was it more like they, it was too much for them to handle? No, no, I didn't even bring it up. Um, right, I right. probably wasn't even shaking as bad as I thought I was, but I knew mm -hmm. that I was going to lose my mind. I knew I, that, but that, you know, that's part of, and then the other part of me, the intellectual part of me kept fighting it and going, 
keep doing this because this is important. Keep doing this because this is important. And then right. finally I could draw, I could drop into it. And I'm like, I'm like, ah, oh. it's just, but it, it's the fight to get to that. It's so intriguing. I'm so glad I fought through that because what a wonderful blessing it is to meditate. Oh my God. When you draw, yes. And when you're able to drop in, that's great that you were able to, like if you had been whatever in a, you know, a one-on-one class with me or a group class, you know, there's all these techniques you can do when people have anxiety and because many people can't do Shavasana just like you're describing. So mm. there's different ways you can do it where you lie either on your belly folded over a blanket or you put like weights on your arms or legs. You know, there's all sorts of different techniques for when actually relaxing and laying still gives you anxiety. Um, but I wish I had you around because that sounds uh, great. Yeah, there's a lot of things, but most classes won't do it. But there are more like in Iyengar style yoga. Mm -hmm. That's not what I taught, but I've studied a lot of it. They know those kind of things. So anyways, if you ever like dabble in the Iyengar world, they have these great techniques. That, But you also might get some asshole teacher that's like, you know, there's so many weirdos out there. So sometimes if you try to like talk to someone about that, they brush you off. Or Iyengar teachers can be such dicks that you just like can't ask them a question. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I I'm trying to find a place to do yoga again in, in Los Angeles, and there was something about San Francisco in like the 2008, 2009, 2010, where I found I found the right yoga teachers, and it was just it's and they were like the they were like holistic. They were older. They were all in their fifties mm -hmm. yeah, and sixties. San Francisco had some good um mat, like old teachers, old school teachers. Yeah, I'm in LA, and it's like a 22 year old who did the, know. you know, and that's oh like, God. come on, let's get our abs together so we can get our audition tomorrow. And I'm just like, I'm not here for that. Just... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, not no good, no good. Um, although I do have a good friend there. Anyways, after the podcast, I can send you to. That's great. And yes, I know a couple of people in LA. I'm going to okay. be in LA May. 17th to do a reading with Maggie Smith at um I mean Maggie Nelson Maggie Smith not the actress Maggie Nelson at um Skylight oh that's great that's on the 16th yeah. uh I think it's on the 17th actually the 17th, the 17th? okay cool yeah and, and um, we and we and for those listening they know now yes now you know May 17th at Skylight with one of my icons Maggie Nelson, do you know her work? The Argonauts is her big, incredible book. Um, and she also gave me a blurb. But yeah, it was always Did my she? dream. Like, yeah, I was like, I wanted to be at Skylight with Maggie Nelson. And uh, and so now it's happening. I'm excited. <laughs> oh, wait, you were at Skylight? I thought you said book suit for someone. No. You're at Skylight. Oh, no, I Skylight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Skylight. in my neighborhood. Oh, perfect. I mean, I'm walking distance oh. from there. Oh, then walk right down there. And then yeah. afterwards, we're going to have a little gathering at my cousin's restaurant near there. Anyways, I'll tell you that all in an email. Oh, but, um, fun. Fun. We'll meet in person. Yeah. I can, I can lay heavy blankets on your forearms in Shavasana on the bar. Just, just, yeah, just put me <laughs> in the corner and then don't even refer to who I am or why. I won't. I won't. Yeah. I won't. I'm just going to like put you in a specialized Shavasana that's anti-anxiety. Right. Although now then... you don't suffer from that, so. Well, no, I still do. I still do, but it's but it's a lot lower, and I have a lot of tools, and I it's just, and I have my self dialogue, and it's and and then I'm okay with being uncomfortable. Like even flying, yeah. blew my mind. I had panic attack. I had a couple panic attacks on the subway when I was in New York, that were that hit me out of nowhere, and I and then I sifted through my feelings, and I'm like, oh, okay, I understand why, mm -hmm. but on the plane, I didn't have any panic attacks. I was like, what? What? I'm like running up and down the plane, celebrating practically. That's amazing. I'm sure that does feel like that. Like when you don't have one, I've had good friends who have them and you want to celebrate, you know, it's just such a relief. It's, it it brings tears it. to my eyes. It like, it's yeah. like, just like coming in for the landing. Just, I mean, it's comes up with so much emotion that it's just like, I'm a normal person again. Yes, it's yes. just I, I'm functioning. I'm I'm functioning at a level where people don't understand how hard it is to function, and I'm there. But that's okay. It, it's just like it's blowing yeah. my mind. I'm in, I'm in it's this. Really I'm, you've got me in this huge growth stage here. I'm so glad, and I'm impressed. Yeah. Isn't it great that we can grow? You know, when we're this old. Yeah, um, and then, and we can also go back too. And I think there's the ebb and flow, and you know, but. But the but the you know the adage of two steps forward, one step back, it's good. So that, that it's just keep it keeps going, but it's it's not all hooray and you know uh, no. getting through the finish line. It's like it's just a bumpy road, and bumpy is fine. 
Bumpy's oh, great. Totally. I mean, also like, you know, they say late bloomers, you know, I was going to use the word are more successful, whatever, however you define success, but meaning it's going to, it's a little easier for us late bloomers to have satisfaction longer because when you, you know, flame out in your twenties, obviously we know what happens, you know, with all the famous rock stars and yeah writers and musicians, but um, like, I feel like really grateful that this, that I'm just getting my book out now because I sort of given up on my book for a long time and now I've just turned 52 and it's so fun to be at this age coming out with this thing that I'd always you know that I'd been working on for so long and it's fun to like have you know to have this little you know bit of micro brief fame for a week during the launch and I just feel like I, I feel like I have like a good I can ride on this for a few years you know whereas if nothing was happening I'd be like I'm 52 and nothing's happening you know I go into that middle-aged doldrum you know yeah, it's um that's that's the lovely thing about the book. And the 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 thing for me about the uh books and film and everything is I have to love the process because I know the outcome is either going to be bigger than I thought it was or way less than I thought it was and either one of those is a is a situation where it just it's confusing. So Yeah. So it's as long as I have my process and my next thing happening. So I know when tomorrow I wake up and I work on that other thing that has nothing to do with this. Yeah. Then I can have a little more um, presence when talking about a book. I mean, you know, I'm sure you finished yeah. this draft over a year ago. If Yes, know, I if, did. I finished yeah. it over a year ago. Exactly. I'm like art working on something else. And I, but, and I was very reluctant, you know, when you're deep into working on something, I almost like didn't want to break my morning writing routine. I write mm -hmm. with this morning writing group called um, Morning Writing Club. Oh, <laughs> um, I like Chelsea. that. Yeah. Her name is Chelsea Hodson and mm -hmm. she's super cool. It's super, it's literally just clicking into Zoom at 8am. I mean, it's, it's all, it's a complete conceit and, and you, she just says hi. And then everybody turns their screens off and you just write for a couple hours what a great, what a great way to club up with people and like hold so each other great. accountable. It's nine bucks a month on Patreon. Super easy. You've got the, the fucking link in the morning at 10. She comes on and says, bye guys. And sometimes if you're in a groove, you even forget she's there. And suddenly I'll hear on the, I like, it almost like scares me sometimes. I'm like, well, who's talking to me? And then on Friday, she ends at 945 and you, you have the choice to say how your week of work went. And honestly, since last august i worked steadily every morning so when it was time to be starting to do this press stuff and get the book going out in the world i was really reluctant to give up i mean it's not like i had to give up the morning writing club but you know i do have a kid i have two kids one in college you know doing all that was a bit much for me i'm not one of those multitaskers so i i haven't been in the writing morning the morning writing club and i miss it so much um and i had a point telling you that whole story that was oh yeah that I kind of didn't even give a shit about my book you know and like when I first started to have to talk about it I was like whatever I don't know now I've been talking about it over the last few you know over the last week and I'm like okay cool it's fun to hear people's opinions and their reactions and so I'm I'm like out of my other story that I was writing in the morning writing club but I which almost scares me you know what I mean because it's like sitting yeah. right here next to my desk and I'm like I've got to get back to that story you know and that's that's the lovely thing about it is, uh, and I always I always tell my students this. I'm like, you guys, we're not underwear models. We have a long career ahead of us. You know, yeah. it's yeah, it's just... isn't that great though? You know, yeah, yeah. Like I think it's a good. I feel like my old, you know, old lady story is a nice inspiration if anybody has projects because you know, like it, I, this project has literally been sitting around since I was in college. You know, this book. And so it's kind of cool to think that you can have something that long that's been rejected so many times. I know it's whatever cliche story, like it was rejected 42 times, but I don't, but you know, this really has been 25 years, not a constant rejection, but that I've been taking it out of a drawer, dabbling in a little bit, putting it back in a drawer, taking it out, you know? Is it, is, do you, how, why do you feel that was, is it because you're writing a memoir and so there's, there's there's almost like you need time and you need like space and age to kind of get certain things emotionally well, I didn't right think that i mean i wanted to just sell it mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know what i yeah. mean like i i wasn't intending to give it space and age right it was just that no one wanted it when i was younger mm -hmm. um and it was a very different book so maybe i did need space and age and then when i 
return to it in, you know, uh, like mm. before COVID, I guess it was 2019. And an eight, and my agent, Mariah Spence, was like, okay, let's get the... I had a manuscript, but she was like, we're going to do this on proposal, you know? Mm, yeah. Oh, I think with memoirs, it's often done on proposal. It's weird the way that is. Like, I don't think fiction is done on proposal as much. No, I'm working on, like, I'm working on it. I thought I would have a draft of my current novel to my agent in uh, like a month. And I'm realizing it's probably going to be three. <laughs> I, I know, isn't that? It's so, what? A and I've been working on it for almost two years. I'm like, come on, really? Wow. I got to spend more time with these characters. I hate no. these people. And then you're going to be spending way more time than that, you know, with revisions and stuff. Like, right. I mean, it's like, is it's not for the faint of heart. This no. work. It is fucking arduous and long. It's a real marathon, each project. Yeah. But that's the love of it too, because it's almost like we know how to go to war with words. Yes. But then also how amazing is it when you think of these people, you know, Cormac McCarthy, whatever, that just like fucking, or Stephen King. I mean, yeah. he has got to be some other, you know, animal. Or yeah. even Alice Monroe, you know, like I don't say just she's the greatest, but I just mean like, producing their whole lives like i feel like whoa that took a lot <laughs> the one book <laughs> yeah um but um yeah so i think uh yeah i do think that when i yeah i do think that the early rejections was a blessing in disguise to use a cliche because mm -hmm. i do think it's a much better book now and the and the wisening and the and the perspective that I had made it much better and really and my editor was so great if I can like it all you know it all worked out as as you know as best it could have yeah but I certainly was I was super disappointed when I was younger no I would have like you know loved to have published it back then yeah yeah I knew it was messy and I knew it needed work but I thought I thought of publishing house would want it or an agent and then we would work on it together you know the whole editing process I'm sure you I don't well I'm actually curious to know if you feel the same way I had imagined the days of like you know Cheever and like you know <laughs> yeah. um, like like where you're like you know who's the really famous um Raymond Carver I think there's right. some one of those guys who say that like his books were just as much his editor or something right you know? I don't remember who it is and um I was imagining like smoky dinners over like State <laughs> Creek where you'd like discuss the pages and yes you know and I thought that when I signed the deal with Viking they would call me to the office and have like champagne <laughs> like in Mad Men I really thought that and this was just like a couple of years ago yeah and I was like when so when do I come in never met anybody like, yeah I, I, I love my editor but I've never met her in person yeah and um and like, it's, you know, here's the Google doc. And when you give this draft, you know, you get your letter and the goo and I didn't even know how to use like Google revisions. Right, right. I don't even know how to do this. Um, it was really like a bit of a Forrest Gumping my way into it. You know, yeah. like I didn't even know that there was a word, you know, limit. So I handed in 145,000 words and, and they- Oh, that's a heavy chunk. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't want anything more than 90. Okay. Um, and so- I had no idea. I didn't even know there was a word count. You know what I mean? Like I, I actually was yeah. like Forrest Gump. I was like, what? There's a word thing. Why can't it be like Carl Ove Knausgaard? Oh, and, um, we don't want to be him. No, I don't know. No, well, I, I have my thoughts on him and I just, I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say that I actually do love the books, but that said, I totally get the why and it's insanely long. But I need, know, so you're I saying, like, I, I was like, why can't a woman do, you know, 8,000 words? Right. So you know, I read the, I read his first book, the struggle one. And, and then I like, I like the first part. And then the second half of it, I'm like, this is a struggle to me. I'm out. Yeah. But a lot of people feel that. And my husband did too. I was like, read it, read it. And he felt the same way for whatever. But I might be wrong. Do I need to approach it again when I get older? Maybe. I mean, I just think it doesn't speak to everybody. I know people that just have no patience for it whatsoever. I think it's a very... You're either in with his voice and world or not. So you might not want to re repeat. And it took me years. I mean, I would read like the first two books, then put it down. And then, you know, then there's the famous last one that has 300 pages about Mein Kampf. You know, it's named after Hitler's right. book. And that was a real struggle to get through. Um, and I, I have a problem skipping stuff. Mm -hmm. So that basically took me like three years because I would like put it down and read all tons of other books and then pick it up again. So that said, I actually love the books. So I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. 
see, I'm reading Proust right now because I, mm-hmm. I, I'm catching up on all these things that other people are like, I read that in college. I'm like, well, yeah. I never went to college. Well, so and you on, probably uh, wouldn't have gotten it in college, you know? Oh, my, I'm reading. I'm on volume two right now and I'm oh. reading it and I'm reading it slow Good. and I'm just. And it, I'm just absorbing it, and I'm going, and it's blowing my mind. Did you it, read the Lydia Davis translation? The yes, I, yes, good, yes. Good, good, good. I, yeah. So I'm. Oh my god. I mean, you know, he's the man. <laughs> I didn't know he was the man. I'm finding out he was the man, and it's blowing yeah. my mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was so. Yeah, I did read it in college. Remembrance of Things Past, and that was, you know, wh- whatever. Like anyone who writes these things, it was my big inspiration for the first version of this book. But I mean, right, right. <laughs> so, so well, on volume yeah. seven, and they're like, no, yeah. no, 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 three hundred yeah. pages, please. Yeah, they're, they're like under <laughs> three hundred. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, okay, back to the drawing board. But thank God, I mean, it would have been horribly embarrassing had I published what I wanted to publish. I mean, no, totally boring. It was definitely the editor. My editor Meg was wonderful and like definitely chiseled from the hunk of marble with me the best stories but and it was much more smooth and pacing but yeah I I did expect more like you know duking it out in a chic place you know you know that I feel like I feel like you've given me an idea for for something that needs to happen and it is a publisher that does work with their authors like that and they do have a fireplace and you have to smoke cigars in there and there's cognac and there's different tables set up and so it's just meeting with their six or seven authors on that roster for the quarter. Yes, and sometimes yes. you hear the other author at the other corner yelling at their editor and the editor yelling back. And then sometimes it's you. Maybe I need to make that yes. movie or because that would be like, that's what I want in life as a writer. That's, that's what I, ex- I want that. Don't we I all? Expect. I know. Yes. I really I'll- want that too. I know that um, I have a friend here in Philly, Declan, who's an editor at new directions, mm-hmm. that publishing house and independent publishing house. And he says they have fairly intimate relationships with their writers. So I think, you know, if probably, I, I think maybe smaller publishing. Houses, yeah do which is always a conundrum right because you want to get that advance from and again in case anybody from viking listens to this i ha- loved my experience with viking and honestly could not have had a better editor that said yeah. i do think you probably have a more intimate although i don't think new directions has a fireplace or bourbon we'll have to ask Declan. right fireplace bourbon if it's not bourbon at least um what's the uh, kombucha i want my oh, kombucha yeah, yeah. with you know yeah, totally. I, I need my alkaline i need my body alkaline as we discuss this so I was a really, I, my dream thing would really be the Mad Men scene. Like if you went into the Mad Men offices, but it was for publishing, not advertising. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't mind if um, Draper was, you know, my editor. And, right. uh, <laughs> like Chain I smoking like, and having that, yeah, that yeah, little. Yeah, I like the mid-century modern with um, like the yeah. classic cocktail and the cocktail shaker, kind of bright, sunny right. lines, you know. Oh dear, it's two o'clock. Let, let's go. Let's go to lunch. I, I know yeah. a place, you know, exactly. so we can take a break and clear our minds, so we can come yeah, back. That's what I want. So maybe you could have a section in your more like Irish smoky, you know, fireplace for my like mid-century modern sunny place. Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> they could fun. have different themes. You know, each floor could have like a different theme for the writers. I think that's yeah. getting ahead. I think that's getting no i think we're doing something great here because i'm really liking this brainstorming that would be an amusement park for writers and i think it would be the best thing in the world and yeah it, it would just maybe this is a maybe this is some type of art installation where it's just like yeah. you know what you want to be a writer well here's here's the here's uh, the writer's wing bring in yeah. bring in your manuscript and your ideas and you know because yeah, yeah. i know you do perf- you, you perform too right i do sometimes yeah yeah this could be something where like, it's a thing you know i want to do it yeah I think, yeah i think that would be i think it would be really good um yeah it's fairly it's pretty it's pretty run of the mill you know that what we do just sitting in the it's very unglamorous like i write in my daughter's you know old bedroom who's in college uh-huh. and i just cleaned up like you know dog vomit you know <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah exactly it's it's not yeah. it's it's not pretty people think it's so oh it must be great to sit there and you know yeah. calligraphy your deepest yeah. thoughts and it's just like it is nothing like that it's no, banging heads against walls i know really is but that's why i would love the other thing i always like fetishize and wish i didn't know what the reality was is the like 
Bloomsbury group, you know, like with Vita Sackville West and Virginia Woolf, all in that little English countryside area. And I'm always wondering, was it like, I wish I could be also be a fly in the wall and be like, was it just kind of fucked up and like it all is? And you're like, God damn it, the house is dusty and I got to clean and feed the dog. Or was, or was it more elegant and glamorous, you know? At the same time, if things are too elegant, like I, I handwrite a lot at cafes. So that's yeah. a lot of my first drafts. I can't go to any cool cafe to handwrite because it's because I'm too I'm too just happy. And I'm like, look at all the pretty people, the pretty designs. And I have to go to a corporate crap cafe. And that's (laughs) That's where I do my best writing. That's so interesting. I'm going to try that. I actually found I wrote a draft of this in L.A. way back Mm -hmm. when. Yeah. Um, and I wrote at that in Santa, we lived in Venice at the time. My husband was doing film editing. And I wrote at that cafe that's supposedly Bob Dylan's cafe, or at least it was in Santa Monica. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, because I don't. Boxers and stuff. Okay. And I was very distracted because I'm really into Bob Dylan. And I was, I mean, I know me and who else, but everybody else. But um, uh, I kept like thinking maybe he would walk through. Like, I'm just obsessed with seeing him in real life. Yeah. And I do find LA to be distracting to me as an East coaster because it's so nice out all the time. And like, we would exercise all the time, be out on our bikes. And I, I'm like, I kind of need the fucked up winter of the East coast. You know, we're still freezing, you know, gray and rainy here in Philly right now. Yeah. Even though the, like the cherry blossoms are already gone, but it's like, we have the heat. I'm going to light a fire tonight. Yeah. But I don't, like, I guess you get used to it, but I do think it's interesting. You know, like you seem neurotic enough for me. And maybe that was because of your wild upbringing. But sometimes I feel that the Los Angeles or that lifestyle kind of basically the the sun erodes the the neuroses, you know? Oh, yeah. No, I well, if it did, then I would be a much better person. <laughs> yeah, or, or you don't go. Maybe you don't go outside enough. <laughs> right well i just um i they I, I was yeah i've been taking uh I, mean, I was taking a lot of long walks before i went to new york so i wouldn't be the idiot who's going wait how many more locks and then um and then since i've gotten back i'm like stay on that walking i was just I, there's a cemetery hollywood forever i was just there oh, and i walked for an hour oh good 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 i mean yeah because did you notice that i mean we really walk a lot in new york yeah, and I'm just like I just got to keep that going. And walking is yeah. so walking is just I'm understanding. This is new. This is kind of new knowledge to me. Just the need to walk and the need for our eyes to kind of move. And it's it yeah. we need to walk so bad. Yeah, that it's just it, you have to put an hour or two aside a day and just walk. That's Especially it. Especially when you're on this all day, you know. I mean, when I say yeah. this, I just mean screen like you know, over these last couple of days with with like all the publicity and stuff with the book, I've like been on my phone nonstop, you know, checking on the Instagram and promoting and you, it gets like, um, it almost makes me, um, like manic I feel like, and we have these woods here in Philly, the Wissahickon, which are Mm -hmm. the same guy who did Central Park did this, but it's much more woodsy. Like it's not that open thing as Central Park. And you can actually like, it's like hiking trails. It's cool. And it goes all the way from my neighborhood, Mount Airy, which is the New Yorkers call it the suburbs. Technically it's the city, but uh-huh. um, you can walk all the way from here to like the art museum in downtown Philly. Have you ever been to Philly? No, I want to go. Actually, I met a friend, a friend of mine when I was in New York came up from Philly and I'm just like, dude, my next yeah. trip, I'm coming down because it's an hour train ride. Oh yeah, come check it out. So, but so we have this great. We live right next to the park. It's wonderful. So my husband and I often do that, and it's so helpful. Like sometimes I'll think, no, 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 I can't. I've got to keep working, and then I get out there, and it really is, especially for writing. It really does like relax and massage the imagination, and you get the ideas coming. Or I'll like I like I would remember during certain drafts, like suddenly like, oh yes, of course, like that fits with that, and yeah. that's the theme I've been teasing. You know. You have, it's so hard to remember that though. I almost want it like tattooed on me, you know, like get out of the fucking house and walk, you know? And that's in the, in what's, and this is what I've continued to learn myself too about the process is we, I don't even, you know, people are like, and so what's the theme when you're in the first draft? I'm like, you know what? I don't know. And it, I know. And it takes a few drafts where it's just like, I go, oh my God, that's the theme. Right. And, and then it's just like, and that's the same theme I had before on this, this other story. 
but it has nothing to do with that other story, but that must be something deep seated in me. That's just, you know, itching to still be there. Yes. Which is why the whole proposal idea is so bogus on many levels, because you know, you have, you're like writing the themes and synopsizing the story before you even have it. Um, I mean, I get with a memoir, that's a little different, but I find that still, even with the memoir, what are the themes? What's the thrust? It's like, I don't, you know, really still, even towards the very end, like when I did the, the, audible recording for the book or the audio recording yeah and I you know you read it in three days you know beginning to end in the studio and it was really interesting because I was like oh like I was actually noticing themes even while reading it yes the other weird thing is because I had so many drafts of this for so long and when I was first tackling this draft that I sold or writing this, the, the, I mean, this book that I sold, but writing the first draft of the new version. I had the old version, the fiction version out, and then the nonfiction and like trying to, you know, all laid out, I mean, like physically, you know, not on p- computer screen. And sometimes I would start to write something in the in the book that you have now, I'd write like maybe three pages even of a story. And then I would realize I already fucking wrote that story. <laughs> I know that too well. It was yeah. so weird. And like certain things would come up, even little things I think I'd forget about. And I'd be like, like, and just like when you were saying, oh yeah, it's coming up. Like there's things that live in the psyche, which is really fascinating, I think. And you don't, it doesn't let them go. Like they have to get on the page again and again and again. Yeah. So oh so yeah. When I think of a brilliant new scene and I'm just like, oh my God. And I like write the whole scene down. And then I look at something I did like three months ago in the same book and I'm like, that seems already written. Why did I think that was new? <laughs> so weird. I mean, it's almost embarrassing, but then again, it's almost like um, wonderful because the brain, your brain or your mind or something, whatever is doing this for us is remembering these things that we don't even know we remember. So there's some other element there. You know, it's very meta. Yeah. It's almost like, it's well, like, I, I, is it Henry Miller that said it feels more like channeling sometimes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say I love that, but I don't know if I've ever had that. I do feel like writers do that, especially fiction writers. Mm-hmm. And I'm so like in awe of that. But um, I don't know if I've ever really had that, you know, because I'm so like, I'm so I've worked so long on the I, the I, the I. So I don't know yeah. if I'm ever really trying, but I love I, I'm so amazed at writers who channel characters like that in this new Barbara King solver book. I mean, it's whatever, it's a big bestseller, but Demon Copperhead. Mm-hmm. And it's, she channels this young Appalachian boy during the opioid crisis. And she's like a middle-aged woman. I mean, she does live in Appalachia, but it's just crazy. You know what I mean? I could never do that. It's amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's how, even, it... you know, even just like, like, you know, super bestsellers, like let's say Franzen, you know, uh-huh. like, as much as I could make fun of him, I'm still like, this is a real fucking skill you have, you know? Right. And, but he's, he's great to make fun of because he's so successful. Oh my God. So, yeah. so then we get, we get to, well, he, he, and he, and he's the one that said, you know what? No, Oprah. And like, I, I, I would never be able to say no, Oprah. I would be oh like, my God. No, I would be like, I'd be so, like, let me lick your fucking pussy, Oprah. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like that? Or would you like me to go lower? I could do the other hole. <laughs> totally. Both at the same time. Yeah. Um, oh no, I would never in a million years. Like, um, actually I got on my book, got a mention on like, um, it's whatever her online magazine is now. Uh-huh. I forgot what it's called. Sorry, Oprah. Yeah, you know, but it used to be oh, like the big magazine. So right. the book got a mention on that, and I was literally jumping for joy. I was like, "This is the closest I'll ever be yeah. to open book club." Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I was actually so excited, like more so than anything else. I was like, "I'm fucking on o.com, whatever." Like, uh huh. Yes. Those uh-huh. are the and those are the beautiful things that we need to cling to because oh, it's so yeah. hard to write a book. Yes, it's- I know, I know. Yeah, but imagine being at a place where you could say no, Oprah. That's you know, it's really wild. It's wild. It still blows me. And I think he's bigger because he did that. If he was in the totally. Oprah book club, he he wouldn't be the Jonathan Franzen that we know now. No, no, he would not be. Right. And so, now, and so what do you really think of like, did you, you know, do you like some of the books or how do you feel? Well, I've read, I read the corrections and I, yeah. I didn't get it, but it's, I, there's things I just don't, and I can't remember why I didn't get it. And, yeah. um, did he? No, he didn't write Motherless Brooklyn, did he? No, no that's less than Jonathan Lethem, but he, I liked him a lot, Jonathan. Lethem. Yeah, and I, I tried um, to, I tried to read that, and I didn't connect. But I, the movie, 
Yeah. Blew my mind. Really I don't know good. If, I, I don't know if you saw the movie, but I did. I did. It's amazing. the way they set it in a different time period and everything. No, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, I was really nail that kind of thing. So what but, are what are the some of your favorite stuff you're reading right now? Not to put you in the spot. I'm just curious. Well, I'm reading Proust like every day. Oh, you're in Proust. Duh, duh. You're in Proust. And what about, yeah. but what are some of your more like modern people that you And know? And I'm reading Mona Awad, um, right? I'm about to crack open her uh, sec, I think it's her second book called All's Well. I read Bunny okay, by her. Okay, I haven't and, read that. I'm going to write that down. Oh, oh, she is one of my favorite authors right now. Okay. Yeah. And and, and she has a new book coming out and I even got in touch with the publisher and I was like, hey, can she come on Big to Tony? Because that's okay. how I ask. Yeah, yeah, I totally. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that down. And what made you want to have me on the show? Like, what, what did you see that made you want me on the show? Well, I don't see. Okay, so I don't remember. So I get because I because okay. publicists hit me a lot. So oh, okay, I, right. So it's a publicist saying, "Do you want this person on the show?" Right. So I don't remember what connects. Yes, but, yes, but, at, but when I get it, next. yeah, right. And I and it, and I got to do it fast because there's so much coming in so most of it is no 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 right. pass 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 right. just so they don't send me more emails because i know it's because i noticed it'll be like hey just checking in again and i'm like okay i have to i have to say and no to it, and why do you think it is that your podcast gets so much traction in that way like why do all the publicists you know what i mean do you remember i um i started this over 20 years ago right so i i think it's the longevity yes. i don't even think they've listened to an episode it's so, so funny. <laughs> I know. I know. You know, do you, have you heard of this Zibby Owens woman? I did a panel. I did a panel with her. She's like, she is the queen. I, I don't, I could never be her. She I was is just the queen. on her show. And she oh my like, God. And she was like, um, okay, so I have to be honest. You know, I didn't read the book. I haven't had time to read the book yet. And, yeah. and she does one every single day. Yeah. With, with like, I'm not, I was like, well, of course you haven't. How could you have? You're like literally a power, she, like it's crazy. She's starting an empire. I know it's wild. Well, her dad's, you know, like, I don't know, like, uh, you know, a lot of money. In the- oh, okay. Yeah. Cause, Cause in LA there's even the Zibby Owens bookstore and I'm like, Oh Wait, yeah, what? yeah. No, I, it's I, like it's like oh, you know, it's you know, old. Uh, yeah. Bless, bless her heart. I could never self-promote myself. I could never have a Tony Duchesne bookstore. That would freak me out to no end. I, I totally no. It's 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 wild. And then everything I see, you know, she's on and then and then so this was oh, this is the funny thing. I want to tell you. I'm so glad. Okay, so you know, first of all, she's wonderful, so nice. And even though she didn't read the book yet, she was just like, go ahead and talk about it. You know, so what a nice platform, you know, it's very generous um, yeah. like to reach all these women, probably who would never have read my book, you know, because it's a very different crowd than I would connect to normally, very different. Yeah. And so when my publicist was like, you know, oh, this is great. This is a really good gig. You know, I didn't know who she was. So I looked her up and in my mind, I was a little like, you know, Jonathan Franzen with Oprah, you know, I was a little like, well, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say, say no to Zibby Owens yeah, and then nobody yeah, cares anymore. <laughs> no, I didn't say that aloud, but in my mind, I was, yeah. and I was like, all right, don't be a cunt, you know, just do yeah. good stuff. So then, so then she, I get this invitation in the mail. I told her this. It's like the thing I'm looking forward to is Zibby Owens invites her writer, the writers and editors to a luncheon. And it's on the Upper East Side. It's that fucking thing I've been wanting. It's like Mad Men. It's a fancy place on the Upper East Side. And I get to meet my editor and it's like a fancy lunch. And I told her that I've never been more thankful. Like I literally was like, respond. I was like, Russ, I'll be there right away. Yeah. What, what, what I stayed on, I stayed on East 92nd and Lexington when I was up oh. there at a friend's. Oh, you did. That's, that's a great neighborhood. I'm actually not sure where her thing is. I'd have to look at it again, but probably right around there. But so you haven't you know, gone there yet. You're going to. Uh, yeah, it's on June 4th or something. I have it in my book. I'm so excited. And I wrote my editor. I was like, would you join me at the writers? And she was like, you had me at hello, of course. <laughs> so we're we're going to meet each other at this fancy luncheon, you know? <laughs> you had me at wood. <laughs> yes, yes. I was like, Upper East Side, mansion, luncheon? Yeah. This is what I've been waiting for. Oh, yeah. No, it's, New York is so much fun. Yeah, okay. And, and yeah. you've been in a, you were in a Vim Vendors film? Yes, yes. What? Yeah, which called, one? Uh, it's called The State of Things. And if you've yeah. ever seen it, it's great. It's starring um, this actor, Patrick Beauchot, who I think has passed. My mm-hmm. mother is in it, Viva, who my book is oh. about a lot. I'm in it playing myself. So we, I have my name, Alexander. It's about a, it's about 
making a movie. So it's a group of movie makers that are making a sci-fi movie in Portugal and they run out of money. And Sam Fuller is the producer and they get oh stranded God. in Portugal at this hotel, at this beautiful hotel in Sintra. And it's like about the script. My mother's the script girl and she's fucking the director. And I'm one of the little girls. I'm only 10 with another little girl. And it's just like the daily lives of these, of all these people who had to stop making the movie in the middle of making the movie. And um, it's, yeah, it's great. And Vim. I need to, I need to, I love him. I've, I've interviewed him twice for drinks with Tony, actually. Oh, you have? I looked through that. I didn't see that. Oh, I'll totally. Yeah, no, but the, the, what's on the website now is like a revamped because I restarted oh. it in 2018. But back in the day I was in San Francisco. So it would actually be oh, on radio in those days. So a lot of those oh. are on CDs and I would have the first hour would be an author. The second hour would be bands who were playing in San Francisco at the time. So that's. I see because I knew you were into music and I didn't get that. I guess I didn't do very good research because I was like looking for that. That's so interesting. Now that makes a lot of sense, Tony. Okay. And I listened to your um, Nick Cave one, which I loved. Um, oh yeah i i adore him I way too much and he's gone through so much Ugh, i feel so bad you know i and he's he's turned into something that i never because i first learned about him when i was 21 and he was like 33 and i'm just sitting there going oh boy i'm glad i'm seeing him before he dies you know and then it's just like i'm glad that i clung to him and every single time you put on a new record, I was like, I hope this one's bad because I don't want to pay for tickets again to go see this. And it just never stopped. And I've Nick Cave has so much of my money. And and then now what he's done with the red hand files, and he's got that great yeah. book, uh, Faith, Faith, Hope, and Carnage, yeah. something like that. And it, yes, you're and right. it's just yeah. like what he's become is beyond anything I could have hoped for in a man so beautiful yeah yeah totally i yeah no you're so yeah. right and i really enjoyed that and then you know i and then he's had those tragedies with his, yeah it makes him also the more vulnerable and yeah i it, it could have been vince neal it was this yeah. close to being vince neal and then it was nick yeah. cave when i was a kid yeah yeah that's cool yes yeah, so you've really been yeah you've really been in it for a long time <laughs> yeah <laughs> alexandra thank you for coming on the show thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure
Alexandra O'Dare on Drinks with Tony. Check out her new memoir, Don't Call Me Home. Next week on the show, we have Stephen J. Schwartz. We'll be chatting about his short story collection, Stormy, Whether or Not We Believe It Is Still Stormy Weather. Read the hero's journey. Write the hero's journey. Live the hero's journey. Have a great week. You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz.